Yo, what's going on, y'all? It's your boy So So. In case you ain't know so, and welcome back to another episode of Sports with So So. Coming to you live, y'all. This week, another dope episode. We're joined by friend of the program, Jesse, and we're talking UFC 270 and its big fights. The Heat are back to the number one spot in the East, and the NFL playoffs deliver yet again. It's time to take a ride, y'all. Let's go. That was a bad idea. My bad, Rocky. Shout out to the mascot. <laughs> yeah, we're we're babysitting while recording this episode. It happens, man. Um, first things first, ladies and gentlemen, this is an amazing episode because for the first time in a long time, we have Jesse on the program, yes, but we have him in studio with us, dog. Hit the horns for my homie, man, please. It's it's the infamous Jesse. You've heard his voice, and now right. you've seen his face. You can put a face to the name. Yo, he's our UFC insider. Yes, right? heat aficionado. Yes, sir. Miami Dolphins extraordinaire. Purveyor of football. I mean, this guy does it all. I mean, what don't you do, my dog? He's repping you at UCF. UCF. Like, come on, come now. on, dog. What more do you want Shout from this guy, Knights. man? Shout out to the Knights. Yes, sir. Yeah, man. It's good to have you on, Jesse, bro. And I'm sure, like you guys, um, we had an exciting weekend, right? Filled with sports, filled with like cool things, like the weather is getting great. It's a good time right now, it's right? It's cold. I mean, hence, we, we two of us are wearing hoodies right now. I'm, I'm rocking jeans. I usually wear shorts on the right, show, dog. Right. But that's, that's how cold it is right now in South cold, Florida. Dog. It's cold, It's cold. But 40-something degrees when I woke up this morning, player. Oof. Yeah, that's no joke right there. Nah, man. And even this weekend, bro, like Saturday night, you guys hooked up to watch the UFC and yeah, shit? Yeah, yeah, we did. Me, Jesse, and I did link up. Yeah. Somebody else was supposed to slide through to watch the fights with us, but... Well, hey, man. I, I was out of commission. In case you don't know, I'm training for a half marathon. Had to run 10 miles Saturday. Pretty much destroyed my left leg. Couldn't walk. Couldn't make it. Couldn't drive. I was out. But um, you guys got together, and that, that was cool, man. And we'll definitely link up sooner than later, right, to watch another UFC just event. Just don't do any extraneous activities the night no, before or no, the day of, please. No, 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 no. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we, we do things out here. Absolutely. We had a great time, man. It was a great night of fights yes got to we got to you know talk a little bit about them i'm glad we're here to you know recap them and and uh let everybody know who missed them that they missed out on a great night of fights yeah man for sure jesse um ufc was obviously headlined by engano versus gane uh two old training partners very familiar guys right trained for numerous years together and then all of a sudden engano becomes the champ he puts that uh MMA spot on the map, right? That training house. And then Ghana kind of feels like, you know, I'm kind of the second fiddle here. Maybe I need to do my own thing. Takes his own path in the UFC. Goes 10-0, and right, in his MMA career. Has big, impressive victories. Gets matched up with the champ as the current interim champ. Break to me what you saw coming into this fight between the two heavyweight Badasses that they are, man. Yeah, so coming into this fight, I, I thought... Uh, oh, hold on. Your mic's off, Jess. See, we, we, we're just a mom and pop. You can just slide that on. We're a small mom and pop. Uh, no, you're good company. now. There we go. So we don't do mic checks beforehand or nothing. We just show and go, kind of <laughs> nah. like my golf game. But do me a favor, say so, say a couple words. You set me up for failure. There it is. 
<laughs> there it is. Welcome. Way to come into the show, I don't know how we didn't dog. notice this whole time that his mic was on. Yeah, I don't know how jerks. I didn't catch that. That's on me, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that's taking into account a little bit of alcohol that we've had hey. before we started a show. So Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, Cheers. we're here. Um, yeah, so, Jesse, tell us what you kind of, like, were hoping to see in that fight. And not not only that fight specifically, but the rest of the amazing card that was Saturday. Yeah, so Steven, honestly, going into this fight, the first thing I thought was this is going to be a striking match, and it's going to be whoever gets the other guy first, right? Right. It's kind of the, the, the first thing you think about with these two gigantic human beings coming at each other, you know, a full <laughs> throttle. No, I for think, sure. Um, going into this fight, I think uh, Gon had a little bit more of an advantage because he's a big guy, weighed 10 pounds less, going into that fight. So I felt like he wanted to kind of come in and keep the distance and strike, maybe hit the legs a little bit, slow him down, you know, take away a little bit of the power, right? Cause right. Then, and Ganu sets his feet really, you know, for heavyweights. No, they're going to plant their feet, right? And yeah. They're going to throw. Especially with the amount of power that guy generates on his own. You know what right. I mean? Like, it's not just hitting you with soft punching. This guy's winding up to really put a 500-pound force punch through you. Absolutely, and I and I thought that his game plan was great. I thought he was gonna strike the legs a little bit more, but obviously, mm. when you strike the calf and you go low, you you expose yourself to getting hit with that big shot. Correct. So obviously, out of everybody in the UFC, you don't want to get hit by nor uh, Derek Lewis or Ngannou. For sure, those guys carry that knockout power. Yeah, and and when you looked at um, Ghana's last fight, he fought for the intra belt against Derek Lewis, and he did he did just that, right? He he kept a distance. He softened him up until he was able to gain superior position on the ground, and then he landed his strikes and ended the fight. Thought that he kind of had the same game plan going in, but I think Ngannou made like the ultimate adjustment. Adjustment. I think that he evolved in that fight. We saw mm-hmm. him evolve in that fight. Absolutely. We saw him catch the kicks mm-hmm. and, and slam them. Right. It's either you catch the kick and land a big strike, or take him yeah. to the ground and grind him out. And, and that was the first time that Ghana had been taken down in the UFC. As a heavyweight, would yeah. you think like, damn, this guy's such a, 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 a really good wrestler, really good with his stand-up. How come guys haven't tried it before? Well, guys have tried it, and they just weren't successful. But I figured like Ghani probably thought to himself, if we, if we, damn, dog, this guy's distracting me. <laughs> I'm sorry, bud. I'm sorry. I know I'm Big trying to time. deal with him so you guys don't, but. <laughs> No, but anyways, if I got to say something real quick, I got to agree. He was a completely new fighter. I mean, uh, not new. It was the same old Ngannou, but he he definitely, you could tell there was development and progression from the last few fights where he now had stamina. Nobody thought this fight was going to go five rounds. Nope. They went the distance. He looked great. He had wrestling. He had ground game. He had, you know, he was putting uh, God into some some predicaments where we were like, all right, is he going to get out of it? And, and no, he just held it down with his pure brute strength. And and at the end of the day, he became, you know, he was the victor, but it was a different fighter from what we've seen in the past. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you said it right there. He even defended three different type of submissions that night. He had him in a Kimura, he had him in a headlock, he had him in an ankle lock, a really strong ankle lock, and all three times, Ngannou was able to maneuver his way out of that. That's pure evolution. Yeah, you know, that's pure, pure evolution because not only is he showing, okay, I got power, but if this guy doesn't want to fight that fight, I can still find a way to win the fight. Go a, a fifth round. Go into the decision-making, you know? 100%. I think also you, you keyed in on something you know, I think that Ngannou beat Gane at his own game. Yeah. And when he saw that yep. he couldn't strike with him, 
I'm stronger than you are, right? I'm going to hit you harder. Then you have to rely on a different technique. And that technique was to be, to be able to close the distance, get in the clinch, put them against the cage, you know, land some knees on the legs, soften them up, right? That, that's what you would think you would do. And being able to stuff the takedowns, be able to have that submission defense, and then be able to actually beat him in his own game. Man. It was impressive. It was impressive. It was impressive. And uh, again, we're not we're not talking about Gane too much, and we're going to give him his respect right now. But it was just really Im- important to focus on the evolution of Engano. No, absolutely. We saw. No, because, but we I mean we got to talk about Gane too because those first two rounds, one could argue like he was leading the fight in the yeah. first two rounds. He came out and he was like, okay, he was controlling kind of the pace of the fight, and we were like, all right, we just he just got to stay away from that big shot. Good movement. He was evading him. He was, you can tell he was quicker than Engano was. You know what I mean? And then he was landing stuff, but. Tengano, man. You yeah, need to have bro. something significant to even have a chance. And what happened was, that's what I mean. We saw a whole new fighter, and Ganu was like, all right, don't worry. You got the early rounds, but I got enough to, in the tank to go five rounds with you, and I'm going to take over now in these last, the most important, the last three rounds. Would you say that Ghani probably thought to himself in that third, fourth, fifth round and looked and was like, bro, if I try to jump in there and try to t- the, the takedown, this guy might need me. He might kick me because he looks like he's been working on this. And if I just walk my way in there, for sure he's going to hit me. Because Gane did avoid the big punch for the entire fight. Not once did he get rocked where you're like, oh, shit, he's in danger. You know? Right, Not, yeah. He, he avoided that for the most part. It was just interesting to see, like, why he didn't attempt more takedowns or, like, trying to shoot for a single or trying to shoot for a I mean, that's a, a big-ass dude, man. And Gano's almost 300 pounds. Like, you. that's a huge dude, bro. No matter how big you are, like, it's tough to move that kind of weight around and, and like, overpower its will you know yeah, and and the amount of energy you expend when you try mm. to stop that takedown right that also the amount of energy he's gonna spend trying to get the takedown it goes both ways but i think that a good example of that was the fight before when Nganu fought stipe mm. and i think the pivotal moment in the entire two rounds that they fought was it was basically when Nganu stuffed that big takedown right he mm. came in full force he completely sprawled on him and that right there was just Gassed demoralizing Stephen. for him. He, him. he just at that point was probably a mental warfare more than anything, more than a physical warfare. And probably Ghani thought the same thing. You know what I mean? Because, look, I was seeing videos of, of Ghani, man, and this guy was dunking, doing windmills, like, for a big guy like he is. He and Ghani's dunking? No, dude, Ghani. Oh, Ghani. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, But still, dog, that's, no, a, that's, that's, that's 240 pounds jumping up and windmilling. That is pretty... That's pretty nuts. That's, that's a super athletic. That's an athlete right there, right? That's a monster. That's how big how big is he? 6'4", 260? 6'4", yeah. 260. Right? 257, I think he might have weighed in. He, he weighed in at 247, but you know those guys okay, are right. He's walking pounds. around 265. He's 20 dog. pounds. Easy. To be yeah. dunking like that, again, he's a freak athlete, right? Yeah. And, and for him to know that he couldn't get to that level or find that, strategic level against Engano probably beat him mentally. And 100%. Because he never went for anything big. He never went for big punches. He never went for a big takedown. The The most he tried to do there to end the fight was the submissions. He went for three attempts, and all of them got stuffed. Yeah. When you run out of those options, Engano's going to take you. Right. You know? No, and he took it. He took it. He, he You know, he's the champion. You know, the champ, heavyweight champ. division. Now he's the real champ. Francis Engano. Yeah. Right. And we saw that, you know, dude, would you want to see a, 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 them running back that same fight? Or what do you think would happen next now after this? What do you think? Where, what direction does the UFC go for them? I'll give you my prediction. I think Ngannou's going to fight Tyson Fury in a boxing match. What? And then I think after that Ngannou? fight. Yes. I think Ngannou's going to fight Tyson Fury in a boxing match. And from what I'm reading and, you know, all the, all the comments that you see, they're going to be in UFC gloves. They're going to be five to six ounce gloves. Right. 
But boxing format. Boxing format. Um, I don't know if that's going to be something that's going to be in the UFC or if it's going to be, uh, you know, on the, on the if Showtime. I, if I had to bet my money, I, I would bet to say, like, it's going to be on Showtime. And st- like, with uh, some type of agreement. It's going to be the same type of agreement they had with um, McGregor. With McGregor. McGregor gave a, you know, a percentage of his purse to the UFC. That's why they kind of let him do it. Obviously, right. as Mayweather, there's a lot of money there. Yeah. But this is Tyson Fury, and there's a lot of money there, too. He Huge said money. he said this comment verbatim a couple weeks ago. He said, "I am not taking three hundred and four hundred k no more. That's over." And Ganu said that. Yeah. Ganu said yes. that. So he's gonna move on to boxing. And if you saw at the end of the fight, he mentioned, "I want to, you know, I, I'm not gonna be here forever, but I want to do boxing." I think that if he's successful in that, which I I don't see him, you know. I don't see. It's, I don't see him as. A, it's interesting. You're right. He's a power puncher. You never know what could happen. He has that mm. much power, and if it's UFC gloves, that's even more interesting. It's interesting. Yeah, but because it reminds me of like you guys remember the old Pride fighting days, right? Where like, yeah, you'd get these freaking guys, the Bob Sapp walk in there, and these guys would try to, you know, literally k each other. Yeah, out. man. But still, like we just saw a big slugger who actually is a boxer in Deontay Wilder, right? Go up against. Tyson Fury, and you see Fury finesse him. Yeah, dog. I feel like if but he if Ngannou gets in there with Tyson Fury, I don't think that's... that's can it, he might get a good payday. No, that's be a good result, sure. though. Look, it's going to be an L on his record. Let's talk straight up. Ngannou only made 660 k for the fight. Huge, big payday in the UFC, but that ain't, that ain't that's nothing. That's not a big payday. That's not a big payday. Not for combat fighters. Not for combat fighters, especially guys who are fighting on pay-per-view. Right, yeah. selling millions of pay per views. Yep. Right, so for for him to box Fury, it obviously makes sense, and for Fury too, it makes sense to go out there and beat a big superhuman like Ngannou. Like, and that's what I was gonna say about him fighting Deontay Wilder. You can't compare Deontay Wilder's body to a guy like Ngannou. You know what I mean? Like, he makes him look like a stick next to Ngannou. And does he though? I mean, how big is Deontay Wilder? Like 235, 225. 6'6", six, six though, right? Isn't he he's huge? Right. Yeah, he's a yeah, big but, guy. I mean, come on. You can't say that he makes him look like a punk. Like, dude, no. they're both big dudes in their own right. I understand that. Yeah, they're both heavyweights, dog. But, again, look at Ngannou's body mass, dog. He's a big dude, man. There's he's a also, big dude. You I know? think that there's also a difference between five rounds, five minutes, and 10 Oof. or 12, 12 rounds, rounds, three minutes. Let's say, let's, call it, let's say 10. Let's just say 10, right? That's, right. Which I doubt it that'll be the case. But let's say 10 or 12 rounds. Right. Right? That's a lot of cardio. That's 36 minutes of cardio. Sheesh. And fighting this guy that, that uh, you know, Gypsy King, he's on his feet. He's on his toes the entire 12 rounds. That guy does not put his feet down. Nope. Right. Really hard to keep, uh, you know, to keep that pace. And Ngannou's a big dude, right? So he probably have to get in shape to fight sure. in another type of shape, in a cardio Absolutely. shape. Absolutely. To be able to fight this guy. Even though his body, you know, he has an ultimate dad bod. Right. But he's... That guy has no fury. We see the ultimate cardio. Yeah, he has the ultimate. He has like a steel rib cage, bro. I see that guy doing training, and they're hitting this guy with, and it's not there. It's another monster human being who weighs two hundred eighty pounds, slamming a seventy pound freaking uh, medicine ball into his side of his ribs, like consistently over. I'm working on my obliques, bro. (laughs) And this dude is just taking him, like drinking tea, and you know, just chilling. But that's how massive he is, and how strong Fury is. But yeah, man, like to bring it back, though, interesting take that he'll fight Fury next. And they've talked about it. They both talked about it to each other on 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 social media. So they're definitely both thinking it'll be a big event. It's a fan money fight, right? It's a fan crossover. People watch big, like like I mean, you see you see what Jake Paul's doing right now. He's getting paid, and these guys that are fighting him are getting paid. So it's like, bro. If we just do something to attract attention, something out of the norm, 
We can get, we can make it a million dollars easily, and that's, that's way good. better than three hundred thousand, four hundred thousand that they're making for you know putting their life on the line, basically. No, and I will say that uh, regardless of what the outcome is, I mean he's gonna come back, correct, and, and still have his belt. So Correct. how does that not it's make not, sense to make that crossover, make the UFC some potential money, some make protect, yourself some money. He's going to make a lot more money. Uh, I'm sure, you know, Tyson Fury doesn't need a lot of money. So I'm sure he will lure him in with more cash if he really needs to, to get that W yeah. regardless if he gets that L, then he goes back into the UFC and then he gets another super fight, probably against John Joan bones. That's the guy. And so then that's another huge pay-per-view. So he's doing all the right things. He's putting his foot down, his big ass foot down, <laughs> and he's literally saying, "I'm not going to take anything less than this." X and that guy, yeah. you know, that's the blueprint to how to how to get a good fight out of the UFC and in the UFC. And I think this one is probably easier to make, right, than the McGregor Mayweather fight. I felt like that one was a little bit harder to make because Why? because Dana didn't want to put himself in a position to lose or to look like he like Mayweather promotions was stronger than the UFC. You know what I mean? Like as far as terms of money, which is obviously it is, right? Because how they generate I mean, it's the greatest boxer of all time. I get it, Doug, but but still uh, people didn't see that match as McGregor even having a chance, right? Everybody saw that fight as just like, well, it's a money grab. These guys are going to fight. Floyd's going to kick his ass and then good night. You know what I mean? But with this Fury fight and Ngannou... These are some big guys. Some big dudes. Heavyweights get knocked out all the time. You know, and all it really takes is one good punch. And that guy's going to sleep from either side. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I feel like that fight is a little bit easier to sell to people because, again, there there's knockout potential, big guys fighting. You know it's going to end quick. It's what are the gonna... chances of them going 12 rounds? Yeah, bro, it's impossible. Well, what I mean, what were the chances of these two, Sirogan and Ngannou, going five rounds? Very, very low, but very there's low. another seven rounds in boxing. Yeah, correct. It's scary. Well, I mean, we, we had a great fight, and that's interesting. I like that take. Um, but, man, there were some other good fights on this card. We can't Hell just yeah. take up all this time talking about the There main was event. two championship fights that night, man. The, the next fight was a, a fight that we had seen two other times before. This was the trilogy of the fight, which had Davison Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno. And, um, man, that, that fight was fireworks, dude. Straight up fireworks. And it's amazing how you can compete so hard right against somebody that you've already fought before and do it at a high level because these guys were doing it at a real real high level yeah and not only are they doing it at a high level they're also they also kind of have already some exposure to each other's strategy right so yes. every time they fight each other they have to change the strategy and and kind of change uh you know what worked and what didn't work and kind of work on their areas of improvement and you know try something different maybe you know they saw something in the film where he's you know doing a certain uh mannerism or a certain uh reaction and they try to capitalize on that reaction so i think it's interesting to be able to see a completely different fight three times but with the same two fighters yeah for sure and you know the fight itself was amazing right uh they ended up going the distance uh, figured the other one by unanimous decision. A lot of people weren't uh, completely happy with how the decision went because they felt like Moreno carried the fight more. Um, he ended, he outlanded Figueredo by like, I think 20 something punches, which is a lot in a fight. You know, that's an extra five punches per, per round, pretty much, or four punches per round. Um, but in my opinion, you know, it's, it's hard for the, for the, for the judges to be like, this is the clear and outright winner. And this is a problem that the UFC kind of has with its scoring. You know what I mean? The scoring system, the amount of judges that they use. And it's kind of tough to really say, clear cut, this is the guy. You know? Because 
Had Moreno gotten the decision, I don't think anybody would have been like super upset. Just like nobody was really super upset that Figueroa got the decision. You know what I mean? Now, now the trilogy stands one win, one victory, one draw for both. You know what that means? Oh, five. We got to go back. They have to. Bro, it was such a good fight, honestly. I mean, at the end, at the decision, I was like, I was kind of a little like, oh, okay, because. Moreno being the champ, it's like as as Figueredo, you gotta like really prove that you know you, you know you took it from him. So to see a unanimous decision was a little you know I was like oh wow okay I I thought Moreno did more than you know enough as a champion to at least contend. But I think uh, the the knockdown really hurt. It him, was but. it was the knockdowns, but it's still I mean Moreno was impressive man on that one where he where he got like slipped or he knocked down and maybe it was a leg kick or something like that. Falling down, he threw that punch, and that's when he like he looked at Figueroa. He was like, "I got mm. you, right?" Like it was like a cool moment in the fight because we were all like, "What the hell just happened?" We had to wait for the re- replay, but in the end, I mean, Figueroa, I thought I thought won that fight. You know, I thought at the end of the day, he was the, the winner, and it was a great fight. Which which you know, it means they got to run it back now, man. And they said it at the end. There was you know complete, um, you know, sportsmanship and camaraderie. A lot of respect, guys, a lot of respect, man. And and it was great. You love to see that, honestly. I, I love I love the bad blood and I love the storylines, but I also love when they're two competitors that have respect for each other and they're willing to shake hands after it all and congratulate each other. You know, no matter, yeah. no matter the outcome, we just survived that. Yeah, bro. I mean, you just went in the war together. You know what I mean? Yeah, dog. It's it's not an easy sport, right? It's not an easy sport because it's just you. There's no team, right? Yeah, you have a team that helps you with your training and this and that and the other. But at the end of the day, you're in there getting punched and getting kicked and getting you know choked and shit. It's not easy, dog. We're lucky to be able to see you know two fighters have that type of a trilogy. You know, going yeah, to a fourth real. fight. That first fight was. Fireworks, right? Bananas, dog. You know, who expected Moreno to submit him, a guy that's never been submitted in the yeah. second fight? And then the second fight, um, this dude, I think, I forget, I missed weight by a little bit, and then there was, like, a lot of controversy, and he was kind of pissed off about yeah. that, and he was like, you know what, I got to come back and show that I got to get this guy, and they got the draw, and there he was like, yo, I got robbed, you know, we need to do it again. And Moreno, again, true champion status, dog. Oh, yeah, I'm down to run it back. Let's get this trilogy, dog, and let's see who wins. And look, boom, they they both fought an amazing fight. And that's Moreno's first loss since 2018, dog. Like, that's a hell of a run that guy had. And he, it's crazy how you can manifest those things, right? Like, he came, was famous for saying that in one of his earlier fights where he's like, I'm going to be the champ one day. And, yeah, you know, a lot of fighters say that shit, but this guy really stuck to it, really went out there and fought the best of the best, put himself in tough positions, fought wars. Obviously, he has three wars against Figueroa. Um, just a stand-up dude, man. And and I'm uh, again, like Joel said, I'm happy that those guys share that respect because that's just gonna make that fourth fight like the most amazing fight ever, probably in that division, man. Shit, I hope so, bro. If these last three fights were any indicator, we're we're in for one, bro. It's Imagine gonna be, it's it, gonna be a must-see TV for sure. Has to be, bro. Has to be. Um, you know what, Jesse? I wanted to ask you, bro. There was a lot of really good fights on the undercard. There was a lot of really good fights on the preliminaries. Um, what was your fight of the night that you know wasn't those two championship fights that most people probably wouldn't have noticed? Yeah, that's a tough one, man. There's a lot of good fights. I would say two fights stick out the most. I really like that Rowney Barcelos versus Victor Henry. That's mine. I, I've been watching him, Victor Henry, for a while. He he's this was his his debut against a guy that won two consecutive fight night bonuses. So this is a guy that is almost a human highlight reel in a the performer, UFC. Performer, a he's real a, performer. He's a really high up and coming prospect in in the UFC. Obviously, he's not ranked. 
this guy, Victor Henry, has been fighting and training with a lot of the UFC fighters, Bellator fighters, Ryzen fighters, like all these guys all around the world. So he's very well known, but he just hadn't penetrated that UFC market yet. So they've been anticipating his debut for a long time. But damn, man, two weeks notice to catch that fight against Marcelo's. He's a killer, man. And and like it was a competitive fight. Oh, very, hey. very competitive fight, man. Let me tell you, um, Something that I noticed interesting was like, damn, both of these guys are, like you said, well-traveled, right? They're both 34. They both have a ton of, like, MMA fights on their record, right? Maybe not a lot of UFC fights because, again, that's the t- cream of the, of the crop, right? Um, but both of these guys fighting hard to not only make it, stay in there. And that was easily fight of the night just based on the performance that these guys had. Like, for me, the the level of striking that we saw... Because both of these guys weren't, like, really dodging punches or afraid to get hit. No, both of these guys were standing in the pocket and saying, I don't care if you hit me in the face. I'm standing right here, bro. It was an amazing fight. Constant forward pressure from both those guys. What? They just, they I'm sorry. What fight are we talking about? I had to <laughs> okay. step away for a moment here. We well, were talking about the Barcelo versus Henry fight. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Oh, my God. What a good fight. That was the last fight on the, on the on preliminaries. The yep, yep. And it, I was just saying that, like, for me – Seeing that level of professionalism, right, from some guys who are, like, really fresh to the UFC, that shit was impressive, man. It was impressive to see, man. Um, another interesting fight that night. Uh, I got to hear my notes somewhere. Saeed, the Nemergamadov. Nah, man. That, that one was impressive, too, but that kid Morales on the prelims. The Ecuadorian. Yes, bro. Oh, yes. I remember this fight. That guy yeah. had a little bit of flair in his, bro, in his could, interview. Dog, that guy had a lot of confidence in himself. Let <laughs> yeah, me tell you, bro. He was long and lanky, man. That guy, you know, crisp striking, good takedown defense. You know, another debut. This was the, the card with the second most debuts in Amazing. UFC history. Eight debuts in, in 13 fights. Come on, wow. that's crazy, dog. A lot of debuts, so it's cool to see. Freaking hey, Dana look, White. These are the fights I love, though. Watching the fights of the people that you don't know, there's been a lot of new fighters that have been coming in. They've obviously yeah. been seeing the UFC cut a bunch of fighters. That's great news because that means that they're getting ready to bring in that new generation of fighters that have been evolving for the last, like, five to ten years, and... A lot of them are like 22, 23 years old. That guy was twenty two years old. Kid, dog. He's a who, kid. Who was the uh, the guy that debuted last night? That uh, or that night that it was a really good fight too. It was right before the I want to say Figueroa fight, the Figueroa Moreno fight. Um, I, I'm gonna look it up right now. That that guy that guy was debuting too. He lost his fight, but that that went the distance too. That was a hell of a fight. It's like Jesse said, dog. When when you have guys out there making their debut, you're gonna get a good performance, dog. Even if the guy loses and he ends up getting submitted, he's gonna hold out till he turns blue before somebody taps That's because right. he knows I'm on pay per view. Biggest fight of your car. Biggest oh, fight of my life. It was your boy um, Pereira. The, oh my the, god, the crazy Pereira. Indian yes, backflipping dude that won. He ended up beating the Fiallo guy or whatever. Michel Pereira. He was right? from yeah, and Fiallo from Portugal or whatever. Brazil, Brazil versus Portugal. That's right. The other guy was debuting. That and, guy was and debuting, he, and he brought a little hell of a fight. And I remember Jesse telling me he was like, "Bro, this guy Pereira's been on a tear. You've seen him doing the backflips and all the crazy shit, like jumping off the cage and all that." He's like, "If they're putting this guy in a debut against him, this guy has to be some sort of you know real deal. He can't he can't just be you know a nobody." Right, and and uh, Michelle Pereira was on a three-fight win streak, and he's debuting on a pay-per-view main card. You know, you got to be a straight killer. You know, forward pressure. I mean, he did. No, it was a good fight. It was a fun fight. the center of that, the octagon the, the entire fight. fight. 
But Pereira, Pereira controlled the pace, though. He controlled the pace. That's the what he's known for. Right. Because yeah. he has that energy where he's like, I'm just going to keep coming forward, bro. Even if I'm not throwing anything, I'm just going to put that pressure on you to be tense, to think, all right, I have to react to whatever this guy's doing. Because he's in there and he looks calm as shit. Smooth as shit, yep. and it and it's again. He's very dangerous with how he strikes. Very dangerous because he's so relaxed that people don't really see it coming. And man, that was an amazing fight. You're right, yeah. J Dog. That was an amazing yeah, man, fight. That was a dog. good fight. Yep. Yeah. And I, when I see Pereira, the first thing I think is like that's a dense person for 170 pounds. Ooh. He does not look like a 170 pounder. Right. He looks he bigger. way bigger than that guy. Oh no, Fiyaya also looked pretty big too. Bro, I'm not gonna lie. That guy looked pretty pretty stacked. Who? Uh, Fiyaya, the guy that oh, lost, Fiyaya, yeah, 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 the guy from Portugal, he he was pretty stacked too. But no, they both. I mean, it's the same thing that we've been talking about. Like we were talking about it before the show about cutting weight and all that. Like these guys, you look at them and they're like, oh, fighting in the 145 weight class, and they're walking around at 180. It's like, what are you talking about? That guy doesn't look like he weighs 145 pounds. Are you kidding me? Listen, bro. So, we were talking, you know, before the show. My friend Orlando, who's fighting next week, uh, this week coming up, go get that dub, big Shout dub, out Santana. Um, you know. Guys learn how to cut weight. Guys learn how to stay fit throughout their training sessions. And even when they're not fighting, you know, and they got to fight six, eight, 10, 12 months from now, they're learning how to kind of stay in that range where it's like, okay, I got to cut. Let me cut these 10, 15, 20 pounds real quick and get on the scale, jump in, boom, and I'm right back to normal. Right. They're, like the science behind this weight cut, dog, is is crazy, and it's just constantly, constantly evolving, bro. It's gotten better. It's gotten way better. Yeah, but, but it's you know, still I feel like no matter how how good it gets, it's still unhealthy. Exactly, you know, and that's why I feel like the UFC has to kind of step in at some point to say, all right, guys, this is what we're gonna do. We're not gonna allow weight cutting. We're gonna put more divi- more weight classes in there. We're gonna raise the pay 100%. for the champions a little bit more and make guys try to be champions and, and try to be double champions and stuff like that, where you can create more fights and better fights. You know what I mean? Like they could add a 165 pound belt and add that correct. division and then not have that huge jump. Right. Um, and eventually, I mean, even I guess when you look at the high, uh, light heavyweight is 205, but there's a huge gap between the 205 and yeah, the heavyweight. Right. Yeah, exactly. bro. You know, You're talking about huge, 205 to 240, 250, 265, 265. Huge gap. That's a huge gap, bro. You so, got you need to have that, that bro- broken dead. down, bro. You know, and that's why you guys, you, right. you have guys like John Jones. Gaining crazy amount of mass to even try to get to a level where he can compete against a guy who he knows he's giving up 25, 30, 40 pounds to. Yeah. It's not easy, dog. It's not yeah. easy. No, for sure. Um, but you know what has been pretty easy? The Miami Heat at the number one spot, baby. All it took was a couple of victories Sheesh. here and there. You know what I'm Yo, saying? This time last week, dog, I just want to know to you know, everybody that's rocking with us that listens to us. Correct. This time last week. Let them you know. were hearing us say, "Hey, the, the Heat are number two in the in the East. They're, they're number two. They're doing good. Well, if doing good and number two is good, I don't know what number one is, dog. I mean, great. It's not great. It's fantastic because we need to end at number one, yeah, right? But I mean, we just got there, dog. But the, so, but the the journey back to that mountain is very familiar, right? Mm. Where where you look at the team and how it was built and how it's like created and who are the main players and what they're giving us." We kind of have that same thing. It's La Spostra, Nostra, baby. Like, <laughs> this dude just keeps it consistent. He's like, give me the players, I'll find the system. You know what I mean? Not, oh, you got to find players that fit my system. No, you give me the players, I'll find the system to make it work. Because no Jimmy for a long stretch of the season. No Bam for, like, it felt 17 months. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, At least. 
Hero missed time. Lowry missing time right now. You Morris. know what I mean? Like Morris still out. Hero was missing. out. Oladipo's out. Duncan was missing games. No, like, he wasn't missing games. He was there. He was missing shots. No, but even he missed like four or five games <laughs> that threw him off. Bro, what else do the he have to deal with this season? What else? And now we find ourselves in the number one spot in the East. Let's I don't go, know about baby. you guys, but I'm like, I'm, hype. I'm Yo, beyond impressed. I guess why I got the new Heat hat on right now. Shout out to my dog Obi, appreciate it. But I mean, it's it's great, bro. Every week, it's like we just keep getting better and better. It's like fine wine, bro. Every week, we just keep getting better and better, dog. Hard to figure out who who you give those minutes to, right? We got so much talent, Straight not up. enough spots. It's a great problem to have. We don't even have Oladipo back. What happens when he comes back? We've been saying uh, that for months. A, he's going to be a third layer string there for the playoffs. Yeah, he has somebody to, goes it. down, and we're going to ease him oh, in there and give him a couple little minutes. But but that needs to look like a devastating playoff run for him to be able to get in. How much talent we have? We got Whit, Vincent, we got Struess. I mean, we got your barrage of guys. <laughs> your, oh, yeah. your seven. He's looking great. I mean, that's like a third string, a center that we're going to have there in case somebody gets hurt. I think we're the deepest team in the in the NBA. Oof, yeah. Oh, uh, NBA. Mm. Think Looking think of around. a team that has that deep of a bench. That's in the I mean, West. Phoenix. You know, I look at Phoenix. Phoenix still has a deep a deep deep. Phoenix roster. and probably Golden State right now. And then yeah, Golden, Golden State, State also has a deep deep roster as well, bro. Because they still they got back Clay now, so they got Steph Clay. They got uh, what's his face uh, Draymond. They got Poole. Is the rookie back or the sophomore back, Anthony Wiseman? I don't know. That kid's no, a stud. He, he's not back. He's, he's still hurt. Stud, yeah. they, they got Iggy, though, Iguodala. I mean, they, they, they got, a, they got a, a few pieces out there, too. But all right, I, can, I can see that. I can see uh, that also, we might be the deepest team in the NBA. You got to also keep in mind we haven't had our entire team right. collectively, like play cohesively. We haven't had that yet. Nope. Um, and we don't know what that looks like. Yeah. Um, the only thing that I think is going to hurt us a little bit is that typically when we get to the playoffs – Spo runs like a seven, eight-man rotation. So it right. doesn't matter, right? right. It doesn't right. matter if you got 15 good players because he's going to play seven or eight, and those are the guys he's choosing for that particular series. Or that particular moment. Or you know that what I mean? moment, right? Exactly. So he, you know, you've seen him change those lineups within the, the that series, right, and within the playoffs. Um, but it, I think he t- tries to tailor his approach to each team and whoever he's playing based off of what players they have. For sure, because in these last three games since we recorded, right, the Heat have gone two and one. Well, now three, right, three and one in the last four games. Um, beat Toronto one hundred four ninety nine. Beat uh, Portland one hundred four to ninety two. Lost against Atlanta on the road one hundred eight to one ten. On the last second shot by Jimmy, right, he took a three. Maybe we're going to discuss awkward it. Three point. It was a weird thing. We're going to talk about it, but that was our bad loss. And then we go into Sunday's game, big matchup against the Lakers, and go out there and get an impressive win. Um, I know Joel said it in the last episode, like, oh, I mean, he, he keeps saying big win and impressive, and I mean, I don't know, dog. It, it, it's not the, to me. The Lakers suck. Here's the thing, right? You maybe for your opinion, you can say, yeah, the Lakers suck. And I can say the same thing about Portland. I can say the same thing about Toronto, right? But those are games that we expect to win. And if we don't win, then it's like, how the hell do we lose to that? You know, so you maybe lose to Atlanta on the road, last second shot. Okay, let's let's dissect that, right? But you beat Toronto, and you're like, well, whatever. You don't even pay attention to it. We beat uh, Portland, and it's like, ah, it doesn't even matter. You know, it's just Portland. Well, they were, you got, they were out their two main stars that night. I get you. No, McCollum played. They were out on... I know Dame was out. Dame was out. No, McCollum played. McCollum played, and he kept Portland in the game. That guy's a gamer, dog. But it's just 
winning in the NBA is so hard, right? And then to do it consistently and look good while doing it, keeping teams at bay, right. that's hard to do, dog. Like, say what you want about the Lakers. They're still led by LeBron James, dog. Like, that guy's going to win games against whoever, whenever he wants to, dog. Yeah. Joe, I disagree with you a little bit, though. I don't think the Lakers suck. I think they're underperforming. Right, yeah, I think obviously sure. they're missing AD, and you know well, we're That's also huge. missing Hero and Lowry. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of an equal. It was we're saying the same. Match. We're saying the same thing. You're saying they're underperforming. I'm saying they suck. It's the same thing. Mm, I don't know, man. Look, no, because that, 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 it, it is, dog. It is. They, they suck right now, dude. They're not. They have the pieces. They have the pieces that would have balled for them seven years ago. But they have a horrible coach. He doesn't know what to do with all this old talent. Like it's just. I think they're it's not working it out, out for them. Listen, it's they're not, fi- they're not figuring out. it out. Yeah, I agree with you. Listen, they're they're they are figuring it out, but they also sure they have are. a brand new point guard that has had the ball his entire career, and you have to share that that ball. With LeBron James, who's had the ball his entire career, that he has to share that ball with AD, who's had the ball his entire career. It's three yeah. guys. No, we throw another one in there. Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony, also a ball stopper. I get it. But they also have a pretty decent bench. Look, their biggest fall down was when they let go of Caruso. I think yep. that was a huge, huge blow huge, to them. Huge. That was the Absolutely. guy that, that, Kept that the gave him. He was not the only that, he, get, he gave him pace. Yeah. He, he pushed the ball. And his defense was great, and he hustled because he wanted that contract. Right, got the contract. You know, they, they, they let him go. So that definitely hurt him. And and look, Joel, to your point, yeah, the Lakers have been underperforming record wise, record wise. But if you look at the teams that they've beaten, some of the top contenders, they gone out there and beat them in the on the road, Doug. You know what I'm saying? Or teams go into LA and think it's sweet, and they'll go out there and beat them. So yeah, they're, at at this stage, they're not like the killers. Right, because we know who's that in the West. It's Phoenix and it's Golden State. We know who the killers are in the West, but that's still an impressive victory, dog. No matter how you cut it. No, I mean, I'll take a win, bro. Obviously, I'm not going to be upset with a win. win, But I just didn't. I didn't put so much weight into the win going into it like you were putting into it. Dog, it's 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 a win against a former's. uh, uh, It's a win against uh, a former player who's a legend, right? And always wants to perform and try to get a dub down here just to kind of like stick it to the heat. And say what you will, dog, that he held on. Up 36 or 26 at some point, I think. Yeah, it was 26 at some point in the game in the third quarter against a team, again, that has LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony on it. Russell Westbrook is on that team. The coach could call whatever. LeBron's going to go, yeah, bro, whatever you think that was. Hey, run this ISO real quick. And that's it. You know what I mean? And they still find ways to win games like that. And we almost lost that game. You know, not to say that we almost lost, but they almost came back. And the Heat made big plays down the stretch. Shout out to P.J. Tucker. He hit a huge three. Um, That was only his second three of the game. Um, Jimmy Butler with a triple assist to become the all-time leader in triple doubles for the Heat over who? LeBron James. Oh, I thought D-Wade had that title. LeBron James. LeBron freaking James, dog. And Jimmy, what's even more impressive is Jimmy's done that in the, what, two years? Two and a half years he's been here? And a couple of them came in the finals. Mm. And LeBron only had nine in his whole career here, which is like, oh, shit, okay. But then yeah, again, but you got, I mean, you're playing on, with Wade. On, chill, saying, chill, 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 dog. Chill, saying? chill. Because my point is, is Jimmy this. playing with D-Wade and Bosch, bro? Like, come but on, But even son. if he was, dog. Even no, if he man, was. he's not. Come on, even bro. You know Jimmy, was, Jimmy is this team, bro. For sure. I, I get it. The same way LeBron was the team, but right. LeBron couldn't put up those numbers because of D-Wade and Bosh, bro. I so. disagree, dog. Because, again, LeBron is, LeBron is that raw that he doesn't have to score 30 points per game. 
He could be okay with scoring 22 and get those 10 assists like this, especially with a guy like Dwayne Wade at your side. You got like seven assists right there. All you got to do is pass it to him. Right. You know what I mean? And then you, you throw in a Chris Bosh and a Ray Allen that we didn't even mention who's who would hit big threes. I'm just saying, it's really impressive for Jimmy to accomplish. No, it's huge. You know, you know, that type of record. Anytime you can beat LeBron James in a record, that's like impressive shit, dog. And, and Jimmy has been... Real impressive, beyond impressive, beyond anything that we could have imagined that when he signed for the Heat, dog. Because even when I went for myself personally, I was like, all right, cool, Jimmy is that dude, and he has, like, these issues, but I know he's a dog, right? I know he's a gamer. He's going to play hard. But I didn't think it was going to be like this, dog. <laughs> I didn't think it was going to be like this. No, and I'll, I'll tell you something. So so I think um, one person that I a lot of people fail to give credit to is Caleb Martin. Sheesh. I really like that defense, man. Sheesh. And and just averaging 14, 15 points a game. Great to And it's player. not only about the amount of points he's uh, scoring. He's scoring a certain amount of points per minute. Yeah. they're playing him 15 or 16 points. I mean, I'm sorry, it's 15 or 16 minutes a game, and he's scoring right. about a point a minute. And then all the un, you know intangible things that he does. He's drew a couple charges last night. Yep. Uh, you know he's he he does uh, not give up on the fast breaks. Nope. He he, he you he know goes for the defense and he goes for the blocks. You mentioned his defense and you're spot on with that dog because he is probably our top three defender right mm-hmm. now. One of our top three defenders because he's holding players that are playing against him, especially studs. Right, he's guarding Chris Paul, he's guarding Curry, he's guarding Trey Young. Right, he's guarding all these guys who put up points. And this dude is holding guys like them to like 38% shooting, 41% shooting. And these guys are usually at 46, 47, really high numbers. Caleb's defense has been amazing this year. And, you know, people, obviously the credit goes to him because he's putting in the hard work. But that's that heat culture that we talk about here down south. You know what I mean? Or, or we'll talk about it on like, you know, with our friends and other people who are NBA fans. And they're like, oh, you know, that's a, that's just a slogan or some shit. Nah, bro. Like, that's real because you can see that these guys, for some reason, they always seem to try their absolute hardest when it comes to the heat. Look at a guy like Struess. Where the hell did that guy come from, Doug? Undrafted. And Vincent. Another guy that, I mean, he, he looked good, but he's still an undrafted G League player. Never heard of him. I mean, we have a consistent system of just pumping out these diamonds and, you know, developing these guys, right? Like, we got Duncan. We have, uh, you know, in the past, we got Whiteside, who, you know, ended up becoming a basically a $100 million contract. Yep. And we're making these guys money. Duncan Robinson, great guy, young young cat. Really good at, in offense and, and obviously a little bit of a liability in defense. But to get a player like that and put him from where we got him, yeah. had him watch us. Because what we do is we get these these G League players and we get these undrafted players and have them watch what the first and second string do for like a year or two before they even put them on the court. Not Look at you graduated. Casey Okpala, two years there, you know, in the background, kind of looking, learning. Learning. Like you're not, you, don't, you, you haven't you're earned not ready those minutes yet. yet. You're not ready you don't, yet, You Papa. don't earn those minutes just yet. You're going to watch. You're going to work. You're going to prove to us that we can give you five, seven minutes. And even him, the, two, the, the couple of times that he's, that he's been called on to play, you could tell that he's like, oh, hey, if I don't give 150% right now, the <laughs> coach is going to take me out and probably kick my ass in the back, dog. Let me just throw myself for this ball right here. Oh, the ball, it plays over. No, no, no. I got to throw myself <laughs> for the ball because that's the Fighting only way. Fighting for minutes. That's Fighting the, for time. That's the only way, dog. That's the only way. Look, sure. we have a guy like Hero averaging 20-something points a game, right? 20 points a game coming off the bench. 
First guy off the bench. Most of the times he starts, whatever, depending on the lineup, right? And then you have a guy like Caleb Martin who, like you said, he's averaging about another 15 to 16 points per game, right? Just dropped 26 against Portland, another 18-point game last night. Like, this guy is really doing things to make Spolstra play him, to make himself noticeable. And, you know, I want to I want to emphasize a little bit of time and get you guys thoughts on Bam and how he's looked since he's come back because – you know, like I told you well before, I had some reservations like, damn, dog, is he going to be able to come back quickly? That thumb issue. How do you, how are you going to handle that? And, bro, he's been impressive since he's gotten back, dog. He's been impressive. I told you, dog. I told you he was going to come back, and I told you he wasn't going to need to, you know, sit there and condition and all that stuff, dog. I told you this. But, no, he looks good. He looks good. Those I'm, first two games back, he took over in the fourth quarter. He, he You can tell he wanted the ball. And he wanted to be the main presence on defense. And I think that's what it is. Look, if regardless if he has a great game or a bad game, he still has that presence, right? Presence, like people dog, are going to hesitate sure. to drive it to the hole if it's like Bam and P.J. Tucker, you know, in the paint, right? They're going to think about it. And I think that's a, that, that's a big difference maker. It's like even if we had Shaq on a bad night when he was here in, you know, 2006, people still weren't going to try to dunk the ball. You got Shaq, right? Same, same kind of idea when you have Bam in the lane. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I, I, I've been liking him. I mean, it's um, he's he's showing us that there wasn't a regression in his time off. You know what I mean? He's picking up right where he left off for the most part. At least that's what I've seen. And and more importantly for me, and the impact besides like the points and stuff like that, it's just the the rotation, right? Now the rotation just gets even deeper because you can play Bam those fifteen twenty minutes, right? Really take your time working him back into like that basketball shape, right, where he was before. And also give time to the guys who've earned it, Yurtz, Deadman, because both of those guys have played. Bro, is that amazing? Is like too weak of a word to use for those guys because a Deadman was like a reject from Atlanta. They were done with him. Yurtz came out of freaking the nowhere, literally from behind the mountain. It was like, hey, you guys need a center? Like, <laughs> yeah, why not? Who's, who's that guy? Who the hell, bro? A seven footer who can move like that, defend, shoot, and finish dunks. And then you get Deadman again, another those, seven footer. There, there aren't a whole bunch of those guys, bro, out there. These yeah. guys are athletic around the rim, finishing layups, finishing putbacks, doing all this stuff. And then on top of that, adding the defense, blocking the shots in the paint, rebounding left. Oh, these guys are averaging nine and ten rebounds yep. a game. It's like dog. And now you add Bam to that little rotation right there. It's <laughs> like again, bro. Where's the weakness on this team? Right. Besides, and and then the one the one the whoa you the got one so excited there big bro. time the one thing that I can point to that's that that really looks like a downside to this team is that we have we have to find a way to stop giving up leads, bro. Like we give up leads way too easy, dog. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like every game that we're up twenty something points or eighteen points, the the other team finds a way to bring it down to four. We we do let teams get back in it when they have no business getting back in it. But what I'm liking about this team versus last year's team is that even when we do let them get back in it, because this is to your guys' point that you were arguing for the Lakers, this is the NBA. It's hard to win games. You yeah. know what I mean? So anybody, <clears throat> the, 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 the the playing field is pretty even, and on any given night, any one of these teams can beat each other, right? But with the Heat, what I'm seeing and what I'm liking is that we're closing out, at least. We're finding ways to close we're out winning. these close games when they're not supposed to be close, right? We're pulling out the dub when we have a 20-point lead and they bring it back down to a 6.5-point game you know, with a minute left, and it's like, oh, all right, let's let's make sure we don't just – 
let them have this. Let's close out. And it gets competitive towards the end. And, yeah, we're on the edge of our seat. But we're walking away with more Ws more often than not. Yeah, for sure. And, like, for me, um, a good example of that was the Portland game, right? And those last, what was it, seven minutes of that game, right, where, again, it was getting close to it. It was like, yo, we need winning time. We need a big basket. We need a big rebound. A guy like Bam stepped up. Ten points, five rebounds, one assist, one steal, two blocks in the last seven minutes of that game to help close out that victory. This is a young stud that we got here. One of the guys who's, quote, unquote, the leaders on the squad, and this guy's doing that in order to make sure that we get a victory. That shit is huge because it's it's not only, damn, we need to count on Bam or, damn, we need to count on Jimmy to save us, even though he had that bad shot, which we still haven't t- talked about. Um we don't have a guy like that that we depend on. I feel like we have numerous options that we can look at and say, you know what, let's give this guy a try tonight. Hey, you know what, let's let's give it to to Duncan. Hey, you know what, Struce, you're on fire tonight, dog. Let's let's give you a pass. And these guys are going to probably make that shot, dog. And that's the difference. Yeah, and I think we also have the luxury to play around with who we want to play against certain teams to be able to get an understanding. Like, suppose very strategic the way that he plays some players and how he gives people minute depending like you you can see it on the back-to-back nights he doesn't rarely plays bam right rarely plays a hero a, a lot. hero so he will rotate all right who took the night off before now we're gonna stuff you in because i don't want my players to get hurt yeah. but in that process where he pulls out some of our key players he'll throw in you know like that guy kyle guy Sheesh. he's had some slow games here at the, at the end but but look how many minutes they give him 10 minutes you know you can't gain consistency he's a point guard you have to give him 15, 20 minutes. But even then, when you look at when he inter, uh, injects these guys into the game, he does it with a purpose, yeah. right? He does it in the end of a, a quarter to try to get a shooter in there. And I think that that's really good data to go by when you go into the playoffs. Like, it's all based off of how we're going to look at it and what's the package we're going to play against these guys in the playoff run. Yeah, Everything leads up to that moment. So I think that he does a good job of that. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, like we were talking about before the show um, – when we look at the contenders in the East, right? The Heat right now on top of the East, we said it at the beginning of the show, they're 30 and 17. You got teams like Brooklyn right behind us, teams like Chicago right behind us, teams like Milwaukee literally like right behind us. We're number one, but it's like a half game and one game behind two games at the most. I, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering like where the Heat are going to like fall within this top four because – I really don't see a chink in the armor that another team can can exploit. Meaning, if the Heat lose more often than not, it's because the Heat played bad, right? We didn't execute. We missed a lot of shots. Of the th- we we went two of twenty eight from three. You know what I mean? Instead of our normal eight, nine, ten, right. or thirty from three, right? Because we are a good three point shooting team. We we do get to the free throw line a lot. When we do have those weird losses, I'm like, damn, all right. You know, that's more of an occasion of us being off than another team shutting us down. And it has happened where other teams shut us down off rip. And it's like, well, shit, shout out to these guys because they brought it tonight. Um, in the rest of the East, I don't really see a threat No, that, that really is just like, damn, I would hate to really avoid this team because I'm so scared of them. No. There, there's no team like that in we, the East. <clears throat> we've, I think we've established already. I mean, we're number one right now in the conference, right? We've taken down big names. And we've established we are the best team in the East. There's no doubt about that in my mind. Yeah. Right? I have to agree. As far as the weaknesses, it's, you know, obviously it's, for us, I think it's the health, you know, maintaining everybody, making sure everybody stays healthy. 
And besides that, it's it's not losing, not giving up games, not losing games like you said, because it's, it's tough for these guys to beat beat us, but we can beat ourselves very easily. And if we have a cold night where we're shooting, you know, horrible from three, or we're taking way too many threes to try to catch up early on, or we just need to put it on the ground and get to the rim or something, like the other night where we lost yep. against Atlanta, you know that that that's going to be the stuff. You know, when somebody gets lazy or, or they just miss an assignment on defense, and now it's a two point you know run goes from a two point run to a twelve point run, you know, and it's like all right, we just gave away a huge lead right here. That's on us. That's not so much, you know, the teams can have their nights, but I think that the, the, the Heat are well-coached, disciplined enough, and talented enough to, to hang with anybody in the East in any given night. But when we're doing things like one, you know, legged fadeaway threes to win the game, yeah, I don't that's think that's going to be get a problem, done, dog. Especially like – Let's talk about it. Let's finally. talk about we've it, been, dog. We've been let's, avoiding let's, this. Let's wrap up the Heat <laughs> segment with it, dog. It was a bad shot, you know, and it's, and it's rare to say that we took – that Jimmy takes a bad shot – uh, that was a stupid shot. And he probably would have made it himself because one thing about Spolstra is that he always, especially coming off a timeout or a foul or some type of stopping play, he always comes with an amazing play to set up a good shot. Always does. And I feel like Jimmy probably freestyled it a little bit that night, dog. And I'm not mad at that. Right player, you know, and uh, the ball was in the right player's hands. Right. I, I would have been happy with him or Duncan because I think that when Duncan is hot, you want to give him the ball. It has he hasn't been consistent, but if he would have got an open look, I'm I'm fine with yeah. him taking the shot. You know, make it or miss it, it's fine. Um, I think that obviously that was a terrible shot. Um, but you know they collapsed that that trap. They trapped him. They collapsed it. He has three seconds left. What is he gonna do? Yeah. Pass it? He can't no, pass it. No, you got to shoot it. Um, but I just don't understand why that play wasn't set to drive it to the lane. When we just needed a two, we didn't need a three. Exactly, so you drive to the paint, get the foul, which is what Jimmy does, right? Yep, that's uh, yep. literally Expertise what he right does. There. Drive it to the hole. That's my I, I that's agree. my message. And, and look, Jimmy really struggled that game. He only had he ended the game with thirteen points, five of fourteen shooting, eight rebounds, eight assists on a bad game. So he almost averaged a triple, a triple double, double on a bad game, right? Um, but yeah, again, he probably made the wrong decision. And I get it; you're on the road. You're playing high. You're like, you know what? F Atlanta. I'm going to hit this shot. Shut off the lights here. And I get it. The attitude is correct. Right player. Definitely the wrong choice of play. Definitely wrong choice of play. Because look, Duncan was hot that night. Ended up the game with 19 points. 5 of 10 from 3. You probably want... If you're going to shoot up a a 3 or set up a 3, you go to the hot hand for the game. And Duncan was definitely the hot hand for the game. And Duncan had 19 points, but 16 of those points came in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Where he got hot, hot. He was hot, hot. Hot, hot. Not regular hot. Hot, hot. And those are rare this year, especially for Duncan. So I feel like, damn, you got to take advantage of that. Keep his confidence going, right? Whether he makes it or miss it. It's just like, hey, I trust you. We all trust you. Let's give you this rock. Do your thing, Papa. Whether it works or not, we're going to live with it. You know, instead of, again, a a freaking triple covered three from 40 feet with your left eye closed and... You know, doing the hokey pokey. Get out of here with that shit, dog. <laughs> yeah, dog. That's what it looked like. It looked awkward as hell, dog. It, it didn't even look yeah, like a wreck play, dog. No, it looked it awkward as hell. Like, oh, hey, this, hey, you know what it looked like? The guy on the basketball court that refuses to pass, dog. All right? And you're down two points, and you're like, fuck gonna it. I'm going to shoot it. And he's forcing it, dog. Oh, hey, you're covered by four people. Nah, I had a nah, good I look. I got it. I got it. Just like, yeah, all right, guess, bro. <laughs> you're the man here, well, dog. Well, the important thing is we beat Atlanta twice. Right, back to back. Yeah. And they now they got their little, they got win. The little all win. All right, cool. all good. No problem. Off See one shot. Later. We bounce back and we beat the, the, the losers. I mean, sorry, the Lakers. 
And uh, now we have a nice little homestand here. We got three games at home this week, starting with the Knicks on Wednesday night. Four to, games. To because, we can, well, that's a, yeah, but you know, it starts with, with that Atlanta there. game. No, no, but I'm saying it started with the Lakers game the being at home. Oh, yeah, yesterday. that's so, yeah. Well, we got three more games three at home. Three more games at home. Game, so, um, Knicks. To, uh, going on a little streak here. Knicks is going to be a tough game, right? Clippers are going to be a tough game. Toronto could be a potential tough game because you're playing back to back that Friday, Saturday. Nice little interesting stretch to see what the Heat are really made of. Knowing that you're in the number one spot, other teams are gunning for you now. Chicago's dying to get back up to that place. Brooklyn feels a little bit disrespected with KD being out and Harden talking and Ivy, Irving playing or not playing, whatever. Milwaukee seems like they're getting stronger. Philadelphia is getting stronger because we saw Embiid drop 50 something points in the fewest minutes. It was like, that was insane to me. MVP type player this yeah. year. That guy's a beast, bro. And he owns us. He, he himself owns the Miami Heat, dog. Because every time he plays us, he can have the freaking flu, dog, or whatever. And this guy's going to drop 20-something and grab 20-something rebounds, dog. It's just, like, nah, bound to happen, dog. He's a beast, man. He's a beast, dog. And he's a heat killer, dog. So, big big games, big matchups for the Heat to look forward to, man. And, and, and again, stay on top of the East. Hold that number one spot for as long as you can. And I'm not saying finish there. Because a lot of things can happen from now until the rest of the season. We got the trade deadline coming up. A lot of, you know, dunking for wood being thrown out there. We'll see what happens. I don't really think that that the Heat need to make a move. But whatever, you know, Spolster knows better than I do. Yeah, no, no, no. Pat knows better than I do. Pat knows better than we do. Andy obviously knows the figure. So we're not going to doubt this guy. Whatever happens, happens. Yeah, man. Um, Before we wrap up the show, bro, let's let's talk about this exciting, exciting playoff weekend, dog. Oh, my God. I don't know about you, but I literally saw the best football game I've ever seen in my life. Which one? The last one of the weekend? (laughs) Correct. No, yeah, because you have to say it like that. You you have to say it like that. So the game right before that was the Bucks game. Was uh, was it the Bucks? Yes, and, and the, the Rams. The Rams, Rams. Yeah, that was a great game. Too. That was a crazy game. The way that the Saturday night game ended between Green Bay and, and San Francisco, that game was crazy. And then again, we saw a crazy game with the ex Dolphin Tannehill losing to Cincinnati, and Cincinnati coming out and still winning as a what four seed beating the number one seed. One seed? Yep, both crazy. the one seeds. Uh, went down right. Yeah, man. Packers like, and the Titans. Yeah, That's Cincinnati beat Tennessee. Crazy. The score was nineteen to six. Right. Um, Three games decided by field goals. Yeah. Last yeah. second field goal. Last second field goals at that. Only one that on went the to road OT that got to go to OT was the last game was the Chiefs and. And uh, the Bills. And three of them were on the road, dog, in tough conditions, right? Because Cincinnati hit that field goal in Tennessee. Tennessee was cold. It was freaking wind swirling all over the place. Um, And I just felt like Cincinnati played cleaner football, right? And sometimes that's what it's about. Who can do the most, the less mistakes in the game, definitely keep the momentum to themselves. And straight out the gate, your boy Tanny, dog, finna Tanny. Garbage. <laughs> that guy's garbage, and it suits him right to go home. I feel bad, dog, because like I, every single team that I picked Why? last week, because, number one, because every single team that I picked last week freaking lost. <laughs> right? We'll start there. Close your parlay. Right? Thank God the Hard Rock app is not up right now. Sheesh, <laughs> bro. I probably would not be here, dog. I'd be freaking out there working. working. Um, but yeah, man, you know what I mean? Like, 
I felt bad for Tennessee. Like, because nah, Tennessee had just got Henry back. They were really rolling. And I was like, dog, a home playoff game as a number one seed. That shit's rare. Like, you got to take advantage of that. And freaking Joe Burrow and company just went in there and said, not today, Papo. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are here to stay. What a freaking combo. What a combination, guy. dude. They were the ones that at the end won that game because it, since he had... I don't know a few, you know, a few seconds left, maybe like 20, 30 seconds left, and they had to get the ball down the field to field goal range. Yep. And on the very first play, you get like a forty-yard bomb. Like I don't know what the hell the Titans' defense was doing, but they got a nice grab where he was able to just kind of stride into the the, the sideline, and then all the next two plays were just you know, to eat the clock yep. and then get in position for the field goal. It's amazing, dog. That defense in Cincinnati has really stepped up too, man. Because yeah, it, you know. Tanny threw three picks, but you guess two, what? Two of them were, were forced. Yeah, yeah but they still, were. But that's that like a forced pick, pick. The one that cost him the game at the end, I felt was like he that forced was, that throw. I felt like he forced it. Like he shouldn't have gone there on that throw. I mean, I've always said it. That was that's always been my grip, my gripe against Tannehill. Dog, I've always felt like that he was never gonna win you the big game. Like when you need to win a game, dog, do not rely on Tannehill because it just won't work, dog. That's for whatever I, reason, for stand, whatever reason. That's why I stand by what I said. Tannehill is garbage. And look, you know, a lot of people were saying, oh, Tua would have won that game. I was like, I don't know if Tua is beating Burrow in a playoff game right now. Mm -hmm. I, I doubt it. I think Burrow's playing the best games of his life right now. It's so far in his career. Yeah. I mean, he has a lot of weapons too, right? Like he can right. he can disguise what he's going to do because he has some he has a couple offensive weapons. Like T Higgins had a great season. Uh and however you want to use him. Boyd is nasty too, Boyd bro. Boyd is nasty. They have some pretty good uh running backs. Mixon. You know, they got Mixon and then they have some pretty decent defense as well and then, like I I think that they're ramping up Right, I think they're getting better every game, and I yep. think it, when I say we, I guess I guess when I say with they, I mean like Joe Burrow. Yeah, Joe Burrow is just looking like no, an elite quarterback. Man, he's getting better and better every week, dude. He so. looks like the quarterback of, of the, the year. future, dog. Yeah. He looks like the quarterback of the future, dog. He does. And look, and uh, let's talk about that Saturday night game, um, because we definitely had two quarterbacks on the different spectrums, right? We had Aaron Rodgers, legend, uh, going out at home. Uh, to the San Francisco 49ers, hated San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> Again, I picked Green Bay at home like a jerk. Dude, it was uh, so crazy. My Green, bad, Steve. Dog. Green Bay looked like they were going to win that game in the fourth quarter up until they that pump block. That block that got that got became a touchdown. Right when and we then put it, tied it on the game, yeah, it, right, right when we turned it on. <laughs> right when crazy. we put it on, we're like, let's watch the game. Oh look, oh, shit. some of the fights. Oh, <laughs> That's crazy, bro. Because it was, it was wild. And, and if you think about it, like. That definitely changed the whole momentum of the game, dog. Because for sure, absolutely, it gave all of the freaking belief to the 49ers to be like, "Yo, we're in this shit. We can win this game with just a field goal." Yep. Interesting note: Robbie Gold has never fucking missed a, a postseason field goal attempt. How crazy that. is that, dog? Oh, that guy is money that's in the playoffs. That's because he's out there pregame show grinding, <laughs> straight disrespecting cheerleaders. He doesn't care about your cheerleading performance. He doesn't he care, care about, about your, your walk ceremony. out of the tunnel and, and your ring ceremony <laughs> yeah. and honoring veterans in America. They don't care about none of that. He's dropping bombs from the 50, getting ready for game time, bro. Lining shit up. Like, 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 like hey, I'm going to line up this kick that right here, cold kick it right over this cheerleader's head. For a good, cool 55-yarder. Nah, kickers this weekend were cold-blooded, dog. Cold-blooded, cold Actually, dog. wait, all four games were decided by a field. Yes, yeah. but um, look, interesting enough, Cincinnati, they drafted their kicker, right? 
a young kicker, dog, and this guy stepped up. I think he went to Florida, if I'm not mistaken, dog. I'll have to double check. McPherson, yeah, he went to Florida. Boom. Ice cold. He kicked it, and he looked away. He was like, that's cash. And you see his holder Bruh. is looking at it, and he's already celebrating with the holder. And then finally it goes through, and the holder turns to him and Bruh. celebrates. I heard this story from Joe Burrow, right? I'm watching post game, and they're on Cincinnati TV, whatever, whatever. And he come, somebody asked him, like, oh, you know, what did you tell the kicker? Before the McPherson, before he kicked the field goal, he's like, well, I went up to him to like, you know, give him some type of confidence to be like, hey, man, we believe in you. And before I can even say believe, he was like, hey, guess we're winning this game. He, no, he told him we're going to the AFC, yeah, AFC that, championship, yeah, homie. And Joe Burrow just shut the hell up. He was like, go do your thing. That's crazy. And that's that dude confidence. went out there and hit it. Confidence. Dog. And look, Robbie go too. Yeah. told freaking um, Jimmy G. Oh, Papo, we're going to the NFC championship. I don't know if you've ever been there. Watch this. Boom, field goal in Green Bay to put him home, to and put him away. Some weather day, too. Yeah. In nasty weather in, in Green Bay. Some weather. <laughs> and then the Minus next- zero, fucking 14-mile-per-hour wind. Like, oh. For sure, he didn't Minus feel zero like doesn't it. say really mean much, right? No, nah, that's like it a It was just a negative. zero. Yep. It was just uh, zero. But then the next day, Matt Gay did it. <laughs> Matt Gay did it for the Rams, dog, in a great, in a great game that yeah. everybody thought the Rams were. I mean, with four minutes left, the Rams were up like two possessions. Yep. And then all of a sudden, Brady, being Brady, you know, tail as old as time, gets them right back in the game, and they end up losing, which that's, is a little bit like, wow. I, I thought Brady was going to. You know, do the comeback that Brady does. I mean, Brady did Brady, right? Just like right. Tanny finna Tanny. Right. Brady finna Brady. He brought him back. But Stafford just stepped up, dog. And, bro, I'm not even a Rams Stafford fan. I don't care Cup. about the Lions. I don't care about this guy. Like, I, I don't care about Matt Stafford, dog. Honestly, dog. But, boy, was I happy for him, dog. Because he has taken so much crap. His whole career. Oh, this quarterback, this, that, doesn't win. He's on a bad team, doesn't help. Blah, blah, blah. And then even when he got to L.A., everyone's like, ah, he still can't do it. Watch, he's going to fail when they need him. Blah, no, blah, no, blah, no, blah. No. This dude went out there and put up a freaking game. And not only that, went toe-to-toe against the GOAT, right? In Tampa. In, no, I'm sorry. They were playing in L.A., right? In L.A. and beat him, dog. No, on no, the no, last they played play. in Tampa. They played in Tampa, yeah. They, they were in Tampa. In Tampa. Look at that, dog. That is a hell of a niche on your resume right there. Bro. Like, you can say I beat, you know, Tom Brady in the in the playoffs. I don't think a lot of people have said nah, that. No, bro. I mean, he but was like 7 for 10. Stafford you know. Stafford deserves his praise and his props. Hell yeah, anybody, man. Anybody that can live and play in that shithole that is Detroit – all right, for what ten years was he there for? Sheesh, man. Number one pick, oh, you know, man. never left. A competitor. We've all seen the video of him when he breaks his ribs and they're trying to take him out of the game, and he's like, "Fuck that!" Like I'm going Let's back go. in there. Let's, Let's go. go. And he ends up getting the game winning touchdown all the way down. You know what I mean? Like falling down. He loves the game. That guy's a dog. He loves, he the, loves game. the game. He loves to play. He's a winner. You know what I mean? Before he didn't have the pieces that were going to help him get there. Right now he does. He has the defense. He has the offense. He has the coaching. I mean, honestly, right now I'm kind of root. I'm pulling for LA to win. Bro, I'm, I'm pulling for Stafford. For Stafford. I'm, I'm, pulling, I'm, pulling, for Stafford. Stafford. I'm pulling for LA to win for Stafford. I'm, I would I'm, like to see this guy get I'm a ring, I'm definitely pulling for Stafford, dog, because, again, dog, like for him to be a number one pick, overcome all of that, overcome all the the adversity from be, being on a bad franchise like the Lions, you know what I'm saying? That's and then an understatement. Still, and no, but still having love for the game, still having love for your right. teammates, right? To put yourself in a position where like, bro, I'm, I'm out here playing hurt, dog. You know what I mean? Like, Ed Reese shit. Yes, sir. You know what I mean? 
And this dude deserves everything that he's getting right now, dog. And and I'm not gonna lie, bro. He looks like they're the favorite. They look like they're the favorite, and then in the NFC right now. But um, but then the winners of Sunday night might have something to say. I when mean, it comes to that. bro, they might have the matchup of the craziest, highest scoring game that we ever had. Remember a couple years ago? Yeah, we had the Rams Chiefs. 55 51, I think yeah, it was, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it was crazy. We, we might have a repeat in the Super Bowl for that. That was so. raw, dog. But the Chiefs, man, the Chiefs proved so, that they're the Chiefs, dog. They so ended wait. up beating the Bills in a high scoring game. Yes. Brutal. But look, let's let's do it chronologically, right? Bill, uh, t- Cincinnati beats Tennessee, and everybody's like, damn, what a huge upset. Like, fuck on the road. Beat right. the number one team. Ah, crazy. And then, boom, that same night. Oh, my God, what a crazy upset. The Niners beat the Packers at the home. The Packers, the number one seed. Two Freaking number Rogers. one seeds done in the same day. Done. Right, and coming they, off a bye week, you thought the they were hell resting. is the NFL gonna freaking you know one up this? Oh, here's the Sunday matchup, <laughs> the, the early Sunday matchup, Rams Tampa Bay, Papo, and then you're like, dog, this game was amazing. Oh this is God, the game of the Brady weekend. Came back, dude. No, sealed it. Everything happened in that game, and you're like, this is the game of the weekend. And then the NFL tells you, nah, 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 Papa, I got oh. one more for you. Here's Buffalo versus Kansas City. Mm. Enjoy. And even if you missed that entire game, dog, and you just caught the last three minutes, you saw like six touchdowns, homie. Get out of here, dog. Get out of here, bro. You saw 25 points in two and a half minutes, dog. Absolutely electric. I mean, that is, that's why we watch football. And that's why the both those teams were there in that position fighting wow, it out. Wow, dog. It sucks in the end. I think that, you know, it's been talked about, the, the rules for overtime. And at the end of the day, you know, it, the, it is what the it Chiefs is, ended up winning the coin toss. And that's what they won. You know, the game was decided by a coin toss because if, if it goes the other way, there's no doubt in my mind that the Bills score and win that game. Totally 120% agree with you, bro. Best Sunday of the year. Best Sunday of the year. Uh, look, man, uh, I, I know that I said it at the beginning of the segment. I don't right, know, but, uh, Master Sunday. Hold on. <laughs> I got to <laughs> no, throw bro. that out there. It was, oh, great, that, it was a great Sunday, but Master Sunday is usually a pretty good Sunday. Especially dog. if Tiger's in it. Um, is there in uh, contention, too? Yeah, for sure. But that that game between the Bills and and the Chiefs, man, like I honestly felt like it was one of the greatest games I've ever seen. Yeah, bro. no, for sure, for I, real. I can dog. agree with like, that. Like it was sentiment. one of the greatest games I've ever seen. High scoring, uh, flawless execution, uh, bro. I gotta shout out that kid Davis. Gabriel I, Davis, shout out UCF, my dude, alumni, stand four. up. Touchdowns. Stand up and walk tall today, my dude, dog, because you had four touchdowns in the postseason. You have a record right now in the NFL, dog. Huge. That's beyond major. Like, he's going to be able to to look at that and say, yo, I did that with probably one of the greatest quarterbacks that will ever touch a Bills uniform or NFL fucking football field in Josh Allen. Because, again, like, I, I remember texting my boys like, yo, this dude, Mahomes, is done because Allen is here. And I'm like, no, 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 Mahomes is back. And he's like, no, 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 Allen's back on top. No, 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 Mahomes is that guy. Because those guys were just, tr- like, trading sp- number Man, one spots over and over again. And it's just crazy, it, bro. It, it, what's crazy to me, though, is that with 13 seconds, Mahomes is able to get them down the field into field goal territory just so that they can tie it back up, man, and take it to overtime. Sick. Two plays. That's all they needed. At least one. Not even both of them, right? That's how I look at it. I think Buffalo just needed to come up on one of those plays. Either the one that that, that stops up the setup or the one that the, that is the setup to that, that was, I think, Travis Kelsey was one of them that yep. got him down the field or whatever. It's like, how are you going to let that? How are you going to let him or Tyree get the ball? But it's impossible because they have so much talent on that team that it's like, somebody's going to be open, right? 
But it's like, damn, dog, you couldn't just get one of those stops. One of those stops guarantees that they're not getting that field goal to tie yeah. it up for you. 13 seconds, dog. My they got to go for a Hail Mary or something, you know? Yeah, my That's boy Vic was hurting today, dog. Vic was hurting today, dog. <sighs> it's tough, man. It's a tough loss. 13 seconds, dog. Jeez. But you, you can't be upset at the way that the Bills played. They left it all out there, man. The, you know, the defense, in the end, they do. They played so many minutes going back and forth that it, they just couldn't get it done in overtime. And look, strictly speaking, as a Dolphins fan, as a Bill, if you're a Bills fan today, you're like, yeah, we'll be back. We'll, and you can say that with certainty. Yeah. With certainty. Josh Allen, 25. Mahomes, 26. Herbert, 23. Lamar Jackson, 25. Joe Burrow, 25. Trevor Lawrence, 22. Watson, 26. Tools, 23. Mac Jones, 23. Zach Wilson, 22. All AFC quarterbacks, young studs. And of those young studs, again, those three guys we just named, Allen, Holmes, Herbert, Jackson, one of them is an MVP. Those guys are going to be playing for big games pretty soon, and they're all going to be young studs. I don't know if I heard you say Tua. I don't know. He was on the list. Though. He was? All right, just making sure. I mean, but I, know, I didn't kinda, say. You kind of just glossed uh, over him. Dog, nah, man, I said it. 23 years old. I don't know. He's 23. But my, my, my point being that, like, the AFC is loaded with QB talent. Yeah. Loaded with young QB talent, dog. And if you're a Bills fan, Chiefs fan, win or lose that game, you got to feel happy with what you have right now because you got a generational talent. And, bro, he's going to be good for a while. You know what I'm saying? So you're going to expect to be in these type of positions over and over and over again in the next 10, 15 years. Uh, now the stage is set for the, uh, the Conference AFC and the NFC Championships. Man. We got the Bengals, uh, first. Bengals versus the Chiefs. Yep, that's going to be Sunday at 3 o'clock. So the Chiefs have that home field, I'm pretty sure. Yep. And then you have the 49ers visiting the Rams. Again, two heated. Rams. Like, those two teams really hate each other, like the Niners and the Rams. So it's going to be interesting. And we, I don't know about you guys. I don't know if you saw that the Rams are trying to restrict how many tickets, like, Niners fans can buy or whatever. I was like, yo, that's whack, dog. I like, didn't see that, no. Yeah, bro. I was like, that should be 50-50. But then again, you know, there's probably going to be a lot of violence that day. Hopefully not, yeah. man. Hey, I won't be anywhere near there, so... Me neither, dog. I'll just catch it on Worldstar. Yes, sir. I definitely will catch it on Worldstar, dog. Um, and people can catch us on the, on the YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. All that stuff, man. All that good stuff. Yeah, man. Let's but, you know, out. wait, wait, wait. Real quick. Shout out to the Panthers, even though they lost last night to Seattle Damn, for the dog. second time. But they won... Team in the yeah, worst team in the league. But they've won... What, what's that? Six out of their last eight now? Still number one in the NHL, 61 points, still kicking ass. Do your thing, Panthers. We haven't forgot about you. And we did lose this game against the worst team in the league, but yeah, this is the perfect storm. That's the game that we're bound to lose, a game that they have nothing to lose. They're going to go out and leave it out there in a game where we underestimate our opponents saying, they're the worst team in the league. There's no way that they have a shot. Correct. So it is what it is. I'm not concerned. Not Sokol's concerned. Not concerned. Nope. Didn't really care about talking about this one because it's not going to affect the rest of our season. And they're going to bounce back against the Jets, uh, Winnipeg Jets, tonight, Tuesday, whenever you guys are listening to this. So, it's nothing to look for to look back on and, and cry about. Panthers going to be kicking ass left and right. Oh, and I'll be at the game on Saturday. Fire! I'm out there. Let's go. So I'll have a recap for y'all next week. Absolutely, man. Jesse, dog. Thanks <laughs> again, my brother, you, for joining us, man. Nah, man. We're going to do this again, bro. It's a lot of fun to have some people in the studio, and we're definitely are happy that you were able to join us in person this time, man. It's really dope. And um, for everybody else listening, you know what you got to do. You got to tell a friend. To tell a friend. To tell another friend. To tell one more friend. To tell one more friend about this amazing freaking podcast. Nobody else is doing Miami sports like Sports With Soso is doing Miami sports. We bring you everything, every type of flavor that you guys want. Follow us on social media. Like, comment, subscribe on YouTube. Let us know what you guys think of these videos because we're going to be dropping more content for you soon. 
Until next time, peace. peace.